You already know the fun of King's Island. Blue ice cream for lunch, catching your breath between screams on the beast. But this summer at King's Island, this is 50. Don't miss their 50th anniversary celebration all summer long with new shows, new food, and new fun. It's King's Island's biggest summer yet. And now through August 14th, King's Island is turning up the excitement with a daily 50 years of fun street party. It features dancers, music, and more, commemorating the last 50 years. Make plans today at visitkingsisland.com. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now this week we have got an episode that I don't think many people will know very much about. It's something that I came across online and thought I had to do a little bit more research into it to understand um, the basically the story behind it. Now for many people, you will know that the last battle to take place on English soil was technically the Battle of Clifton Moor, which took place in December 1746, so just prior to that, which many people do say, is the Battle of Culloden, which took place in April 1746. These are known as the two battles, the last battles on British soil, and they took place just before America gained its independence. So you're talking a very, very long time ago. And this is what historians will know as the last battles to have taken place. However, after doing a little bit of research, I found out that there was a battle that took place on English soil during the Second World War. And this is not very well known about. And the reason it's not very well known about is because this battle was between the Americans and, yeah, you guessed it, the Americans. So... We'll set the scene just a little bit. Now this happened in 1943 in a little town in Lancashire called Bamber Bridge. Now I want to set the scene for you guys. In America in the 1940s it was extremely racially divided. There were many restaurants, pubs, places where black people could not go. A lot of signs up that said whites only. Um, And this was pretty much the norm. This was also the norm for the United States Army. Many platoons or many regiments in the United States Army were racially divided. And when America joined the Second World War in 1941, a lot of troops were stationed in the UK. This meant that a lot of troops had to be shipped across. And the British are a lot more open-minded and a lot more friendly, I would say, than America at this particular time in history. 
and we welcomed both black and white troops from the United States with open arms. And this is something that American soldiers, white American soldiers, were not comfortable with. They didn't like the fact that African American soldiers would come over here, they would chat up our women, they would talk to people in bars, they would be very friendly. Um, even George Orwell remarked that the general consensus of the opinion that only American soldiers with any manners were the Negroes, or this was his quote, not mine. Um, in other words, basically, white American soldiers were horrible and black American soldiers were very nice people. Now, this is also backed up by the fact that America had to bring out um, like a step-by-step -step video on how American troops should behave in British towns. So they brought out, um, it's hard to describe, but basically like a, like a YouTube video, but of its day, to explain how British pubs and how British people were very, very different to Americans and in certain contexts. And it basically showed that Americans came across generally as quite abrupt, quite obnoxious, quite outgoing, um, and very much in your face. And this is not something the British people like. You know, we are not like that at all. Obviously, there are some, but as a general rule, the British people are quite consorted, very introvert, and, you know, just because we're not saying anything to you doesn't necessarily mean that we, we don't like you, we don't have to be in a conversation constantly, um, we have a little bit more, I'm going to say the word class, I think um, British people have a lot more class um, than Americans, um, take that as you will. It's not meant in any offensive term. It's just a, a general um, observation. But what the American or what the British were noticing with these American soldiers was that the white American soldiers were living up to the stereotype, whereas the black American soldiers were not like that at all. You know, they were a lot more courteous, a lot more yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. Um, and I mean this this comes from basically from them being under the thumb uh, throughout the 40s in America you know they, they'd grown up these uh, black American soldiers had grown up having to answer yes sir no sir three bags full sir to everybody because if they didn't they were attacked in the streets so when the soldiers came over it was an extremely different situation and Allied military bases were set up in many places in Britain during the Second World War. And American troops were, were stationed at a great number of these bases. Some of these troops, like I said, were African-American troops. And while they were segregated by law from white troops in the US, the law did not exist in Britain. And because of that, you have this issue that's going to arise. And because the arrival of many black troops from the United States on British soil started in 1942, this led to complications with Americans wanting to see their segregation laws enforced in Britain. And the tensions eventually escalated and boiled over 
into a full-scale riot and battle that happened in, in Bamba Bridge. In this riot, white British residents of the village joined with the African-American troops to fight the US military police. And to understand why this riot broke out, it's necessary to look back further into history. And while African-American troops have been served in various branches of the United States since the Civil War, um, and even in some cases, some black Americans actually fought in the Revolutionary War um, and the War of 1812. So even before the American Civil War, um, black, black men were fighting in the American armies. And the Jim Crow laws, which separated them, uh, basically all the way up until 19, the 1950s. And you can see how this escalation is going to happen in the sense that you have a certain group of people that are not allowed to mix in one country, in the other country, they don't really care. Um, and, you know, a lot of African-American men actually ended up marrying white British women and taking them back to America after the war because the consensus of a British man is like I said very introvert very quiet um, brooding almost and the consensus of a white American man is quite boisterous and in your face and loud and then along come these black American troops that have got impeccable manners um, and are, are absolutely gentlemen down to the core and these women were absolutely swooned by it and and this is where it happened um like i said both american troops both black and white landed in britain in 1942 and they brought their prejudice and integrated attitudes about race with them and whilst white american troops were generally part of combat units black troops were normally relegated to non-combat roles including manual labor so they they tended to be not trusted i would say with the the heavy weapons african-american troops were used to being segregated by their white counterparts back home but in britain this was something completely different to them and this is because like i said britain sort of moved on from this we we don't I, I I want to say as far as I'm aware we don't have that integrated racism into our country now I know a lot of uh, people have had different opinions um, to that but compared to other countries um, I don't think Britain it, it, it compares um, to those areas but um, obviously other people have got different experiences to me obviously I'm not a, a black gentlemen uh, of Britain so I have no real first hand well not no real I have no first hand experience of this but in comparison to America and especially at this time um, we weren't as racist black troops were welcomed by the British with open arms and were free to fraternise with both men and women um, and this included going to the pubs, cinemas, dance halls, public transport. Basically, anywhere they weren't allowed to go in America, they were allowed to go in Britain. And it was completely different for them. And especially places down in the south, 
you know, um, even the sense of like a waiting room for a train had no blacks allowed in in a waiting room and things like that. Just absolutely looking back on it, it's crazy, but that was how it was. Uh, many American politicians and military officials were worried that African American troops who were experiencing this newfound equality with whites would become radicalized and stir up trouble when they got home to the US. Therefore, they sought to keep the black servicemen segregated from the local white population. Now, if Britain had the same views as America, this probably would have been easily achievable. The British, however, refused to comply with any racist requests from the American military police officers, and when asked to segregate from the pub, one pub owner said he would gladly do so. You know, he said, you know, we we want to segregate blacks from whites, can you do that? And this pub owner in Bamber Bridge said, absolutely, 100%, we can do that. Fantastic. We can segregate them. The next day, he put a sign up outside of his pub that said, only black American soldiers allowed. So, or only black GIs is what he put. Uh, In other words, yeah, we'll segregate them, but we're kicking you lot out, not them. Because they're not doing anything wrong. You're coming over here with the racist views. So they only allowed black American soldiers into the pubs. There was only three pubs in Bamber Bridge. This caught on very quickly, soon after the other two pubs did the same thing. Um, So you can see now the escalation and how it's happening. They've been asked to do something. They've been asked to segregate blacks from whites. They have, but they've done it in a way that these American military police have got absolutely no idea why they've done it this way, and they can't understand, and it's causing this uh, tension between the two. And like I said, most British people, most British people, that is the key word here because I can't stand here and say it was all British because it wasn't, but most British people welcomed African-American servicemen and often sang their praises, proclaiming they were more polite and more well-mannered than white Americans. And obviously I gave that quote by the novelist George Orwell um, at the start and that was his general consensus but this didn't stop the American MPs um, from attempting to segregate the African American servicemen from the white British. Again, this wasn't a case of them trying to segregate them from the white Americans because the white Americans tended to just avoid them anyway. They were more annoyed by the fact that the white British were integrating. Um, It was because of the determination to rein in black troops that broke out the riot in Bamber Bridge on June the 24th, 1943. So, I've set the scene. We know what's happening. We know why it's happened. And we know the reason behind it. Now, I think it was it would have been pretty obvious if I turned around right at the start and went, this was a battle between Americans and Americans black Americans and white Americans you'd have all have gone yeah okay that makes sense in this time but what is important to remember on this is even though we were grateful as British to have American troops stationed 
in Britain and help us during the Second World War, we weren't going to put up with that sort of shit, basically. And the British, um, their sort of female soldiers, almost they weren't actual frontline soldiers, but the female members of the army that were in the pub at that time, um, and even uh, one British regular soldier actually joined the fight on the side of the African-American soldiers. But on that particular evening, African-American servicemen from the 1511 Quartermasters were drinking with off-duty off British troops and civilians at a pub called the Ye Old Hob Inn. Now, for those of you who listened to the last episode, you will know that this basically would have been called the Hob Inn until the Victorians decided to add Ye Old onto everything. But Ye Old Hob Inn at Bamber Bridge, which still exists today. Two MPs passing the pub noticed that one of the African-American troops was improperly dressed. He was wearing a field jacket, not the regular jacket. And because of that, they attempted to arrest him. This obviously backfired. He was not allowed to be arrested. The local Brits um, backed the African-American servicemen, asking why he was being arrested, because he hadn't done anything wrong. Tempers flared up and insults were flung around, and a fistfight soon broke out. The MPs were beaten back and forced to retreat to gain reinforcements. On their way out, an American serviceman also threw a beer bottle at the fleeing jeep. Probably not a good idea. But once again, an argument ensued after the reinforcements had came back, and this time it boiled over into a more serious battle. This involved black servicemen and white British civilians against the white American MPs. Shots were fired and an African American serviceman was hit in the neck. Now he didn't die, he uh, he was just injured. The shooting of the serviceman temporarily stopped the riot. They... MP, uh, sorry, not the MPs, the soldiers from 1511 then walked back to their barracks. When they returned back to their barracks, a truckload of MPs turned up. Um, and they were they turned up, they were armed with machine guns. Panic obviously spread through the troops and the, Amer- the African-American troops grabbed their weapons to fight back. They knew they were going to be shot. The panicking troops raided the camp's guns room, taking around two-thirds of the rifles and arming themselves. A large group of now-armed servicemen left the camp in the darkness and fought running battles with the MPs throughout the town, with each side firing the occasional shots at each other. One African-American serviceman was killed, uh, Private William Crosland. Uh, he was shot in the back, again It was dark, so we don't know if he was shot whilst running away. He could even have been shot by one of his own men while he was going forwards. We don't know who shot him, but he was shot in the back. Um, And the violence finally subsided around 4am the next morning. Seven people had been injured, but due to the darkness, few shots had been fired. And most of the shots didn't hit their target anyway. 32 African-American servicemen were later found guilty at a court-martial 
of various charges relating to the riot. Their sentences were reduced owing to the support of the servicemen from the British public and the mitigating factors of racism and racial slurs from the MPs. Most of the servicemen were back on duty within a year and while the riot had largely been kept out of the American press, it was seen as a bit of a precursor for what was to come back at home with the civil rights movement movement and the momentum being gained that couldn't be stopped. In 1948, so five years after this battle, racial segregation in the US armed forces was officially abolished and in 1964 the Civil Rights Act was passed changing the American social landscape. But what I find very interesting about this case is obviously it is a battle that happened on British soil and it's been lost to history. It's been lost to history because and and I I'm not one of the I love all types of history. I think history's got good and bad um and the, what I find very difficult is history has has become very whitewashed and I put that in quotation marks. And what I mean by being whitewashed is it's history based on what white people have decided. Um now I don't see myself as as woke. I'm not a fan of certain political movements. I'm certainly not um, left-wing, I'm not a socialist, I I don't agree with a lot of things um, in regards to to the leftist movement, but I will agree that history has had this um, sort of like a rose-tinted glasses put over it, and things like this that show a really, really bad light and quite blatant racism sort of been wiped from history and you know we always say history is is written by the victors in this case it is a prime example you know these black servicemen had done absolutely nothing wrong they went to arrest one purely on the basis that he was wearing a jacket even though it was an army issue jacket it wasn't the correct jacket and he was going to be arrested and he was going to be arrested because the British people turned around and said we're not segregating them because we don't agree with it and I mean there, there was one of the men one of the men in in this uh, incident actually fired a shot um, he was obviously a lot of them did but he was actually caught firing a shot he was sentenced to 15 years in prison 15 years now I believe he actually got out um, a lot earlier again one of these things he got out a lot of them did get out earlier due to the testament from the British public but at the end of the day these MPs have turned up with guns to attack men in a camp and these men are armed they're army personnel they've got arms they're trained in weapons they're going to fight back because if they just turned up to arrest, they wouldn't have turned up with weapons. Now, it's something that's very strange to, to me as a Briton, obviously seeing weapons like that on our streets. We don't have that. But in 1948, oh, sorry, 1943, we did. You know, Britain was open carry in the 1940s. We, you were allowed to carry a weapon. There was nothing wrong with that. Um, 
So it was a different time. To me, it sounds crazy that, that people could just walk around with machine guns and rifles and things like that. But obviously, back then it was a different time. And I think Britain sort of moved on from that. And America, you know, even now, there is still that divide in America. Um, more so in the last sort of four four or five years. Um, take out of that what you will when I said four or five years but there has been a massive divide in America and you know I think looking at it from a a British perspective I would love to see um, the unity that some countries have in in America Um, you know I we in Britain don't have that unity either I'm not suggesting that we're better we are not we are a very very divided country right now on many many issues be that politics uh, the royal family um, things like that we are very very divided but when I look at what's going on in the world right now and you look at a country like Ukraine for example and uh, I'm not religious but if I was religious my prayers go out to that country Um, you know what's going on in Ukraine and you look at the Ukrainian people and you look at the fact that there is all this going on in the world and they've joined together as an entire country there are players i mean one of the tennis players actually left britain has gone back to ukraine to fight for his country he's safe he's in britain he's not going to get attacked in britain but he's gone back to fight for his country because they're his people they're it's his country it's his service that he's given back um you know the klitschko brothers for example some of the the biggest heavyweight boxers in history are Ukrainian. They're there fighting because it's their country and all of Ukraine has pulled together. And it's sad that it takes a time like this for people to realise that actually what we fight about in general life, you know, be it politics, be it um, race or religion or like I said in this country the massive divide is the royal family right now um, it's not worth it because we're all the same you know and, and when people people are starting to realise this you know they are starting to realise that men and women across the world we're all the same and, and having pride in your country does not make you a bad person you know these people in Ukraine are all Ukrainian you know they're all fighting for their country they believe in their country they're passionate about their country and nobody's out there calling them right-wing racists but in Britain and I know for a fact in America if you have pride in your country the consensus is that you are a racist or that you are a nationalist and I just can't get my head around that because we need to remember that there are bigger things out there than words and right now the whole world I think needs to to stand up and look at what's going on in Ukraine and and like I said my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone over there and I'm I'm sure majority of my listeners uh, are exactly the same so let me know what you thought about this episode it is a it is a different one it is um like I said, it's a battle that not many people have heard about. It is a part of history that has kind of been lost because 
even if you uh, Google it, and you can Google it, um, the last battle to take place in England, and it will come up with 1746. Um, the last battle to take place in Britain comes up with 1746. This battle has been lost to history, and this was a battle. This was a gunfight in the middle of a town where people got shot and killed. That is a battle. They were both army personnel. It is. It's a battle, but it's been lost to history, and I wanted to revive it for you all. So, again, I say this every week. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Was it good? Did you enjoy it? Do you know of any battles or any similar events that are like this that have sort of been lost through history um, that you know that I might not know? Um, let me know because I can always cover them. You know, I've had I've had a few requests recently. We have got some really really good episodes coming up with uh, with my dad again. Um, we've done some really uh, he's done some really really good um, episodes. So hopefully if I find some time to, to get those done, we'll have some really good episodes to, to get out to you guys. Um, we are coming up to that magic number 100 show. And for those of you who are still listening to me right now, um, which I hope there's a few, number 100, episode 100, I want you guys to send me in questions for me and my dad. So I did this you know, towards the start of the the podcast of all get to know your host and and it's not, but a lot of people have been asking questions about my dad, a lot of them. So send me your questions. We're on Facebook, This Week in History. You can email them to me, which is twihpod at gmail.com. You can get me on TikTok now, which is Dan underscore the Viking. You can get me on... uh, Bloody hell, you can get you, you just Google me, you'll find me. I'm there. You can send me a message, um, but send your questions across whether they're for me, whether they're for my dad, whether they're for both of us. These can be absolutely anything that you want to know, okay? Absolutely anything. It doesn't have to be history based, it can be uh, football teams or sports events or things like that, anything like that. Get your questions over to us because for episode 100, we are going for a big special episode where we're going to answer your questions. Not our questions, your questions. And we can only do that if you guys send those questions in. So get yourselves over there. You can send me messages on Patreon as well if you are on Patreon. But please be aware, I don't always check my messages on Patreon. Um, I do check them as much as I can, but sometimes I forget and I've got the memory of a goldfish. So Facebook is probably easier um, or email, but either way, get them out to me. And for those of you who aren't on Patreon, why aren't you on Patreon? If you enjoy these podcasts, you enjoy what what I do, um, I see it more as an incentive for you guys to not have to listen to those stupid adverts. And, you know, you do get these episodes slightly earlier. Um, they Obviously, we are running a bit late at the moment, but you do get your episodes a bit earlier than than the rest of people. Um, And all the money gets reinvested into the podcast. Right now, we are looking at, I say we, I am looking at um, investing in some new microphones, um, new um, soundboards and things like that to actually make the podcast sound a little bit better. Um, Hopefully, people will enjoy that. So, the money from Patreon is well used. Um, so, you know, if you are interested, even if you're not too bothered about 
um, getting your episodes earlier or you're not even bothered about the the adverts if you can get over there and support me um, like I said it is five dollars a month but that is cheaper than a cup of coffee in most places so if you can get over there and support us that would be wonderful but thank you guys for listening and like I said drop me a message let me know uh, get your questions over there so just remember guys we all have history make yours great bye bye Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. Bundling car and renter's insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with GEICO or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with GEICO. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors.